All right, we're going to look at one passage together this morning. It's found in Luke chapter 7. We are going to cover verses 16 through 28. So if you want to follow along with your own Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. Luke chapter 7, verses 16 through 28. As you're preparing to turn there, I want to tell you um, about this really um, kind of neat, neat scene, neat scenario. So in the middle of, of uh, the Bate Olivares, um, while it is incredibly poor throughout, there's a couple little places there where there's just some people who love Jesus and God's doing stuff. And there's this one particular home. Um, the woman who lives there loves the Lord. God has blessed her in some really cool ways. She's got a sweet little place that she takes care of. And in that home, or I should say around that home, is this incredible garden. And this woman just faithfully works in this garden day after day after day. And I mean, it's, it's lush. It's beautiful. It's almost wild. You're walking down a street that's just kind of nasty and dirty and dank. You're passing all of these little kind of shelters that are rough. And then you kind of turn and you just come into her little area and it just opens up this whole new world. It's like this beautiful oasis in the middle of this community. It's, it's stunning. It's eye-catching. Um, and here is this garden in this home kind of in the midst of the rubble of this village. And it's, it's through the life of this, this woman who just loves Jesus and is faithfully loving people in that community and caring for the little the Lord has given her. And much has been made of that small little plot that she has. Um, it's just eye-catching to me. I think it's such a picture of, of Jesus and what he does in the lives of the least of us. When we give him the little that we have, he does much with it. We're going to look at a, a man today, a story of a man today that we know his name fairly well. And he took the little of his life and he made much of it to glorify Jesus. His name is John the Baptist. Um, even before he was born, when Mary came and visited his mother, John the Baptist leapt inside of his mother's womb because Jesus was present. Somehow, even before he was born, he was marked to be someone who would point to and declare the glory of Jesus. John the Baptist um, did not live a comfortable life. He lived out as an outsider. He lived in the wilderness. He wore animals' clothes. He ate honey. He was rough. He looked rough. He probably smelled rough. And yet he boldly declared the coming of God's kingdom. And he preached and he baptized. He called people to repentance. People were drawn to him, challenged by him. He began to have a following. And in the midst of that, Jesus came along and began to step into his ministry. And John recognized, that's the one that I was here to prepare the way for. That's the Messiah. He baptizes Jesus. And then shortly after, he declares that Jesus must increase and he must decrease. And so Jesus begins to step more and more into his ministry. Well, John the Baptist, being the provoker that he is, um, he called out anybody and everybody that needed to be called out. And in the midst of that, he called out Herod, sort of a governor or ruler of that area, um, because of some immorality in his life, because of who his wife used to be married to, that he had then brought into his home. And John the Baptist called that out, and that made Herod and his wife furious. And so John the Baptist, even though the people were attracted to him and kind of loved him and were following him. Um, in his anger, Herod arrested him and threw him in prison. And so as we enter this scene, 
this is on the backdrop of John going from really starting a revolution amongst the people to then diminishing a bit as Jesus came to the forefront. And now he's in a prison cell. And this prison cell isn't far out and removed. This prison cell is on the property of King Herod. He's in shouting distance. He can hear the big parties going on inside the castle, inside the gates. And so there he is, kind of just down in this lonely tower, starting to waste away. The world's passing him by. And as we pick up this scene, Jesus has just finished working miraculously. He's preaching. People are glorifying God. He's healing the sick. And he has just finished raising the dead. A widow has just lost her son, and he has brought this young man back to life. And so that's where we're going to find ourselves jumping into the story. You guys with me? All right, here we go. So in Luke chapter 7, verse 16, the people have just witnessed this young man being risen from the dead. And it says, fear seized them all, and they glorified God. And they said, a great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him being Jesus spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. So his disciples were to get him a message while he was in prison. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord and said, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Now think about this. Jesus is being followed. He's beginning to be praised. People are beginning to recognize something miraculous is happening. Incredible works are happening. But John's in prison. John's in jail. He can't even see this for himself. And listen, not all that long ago, he was the prophet that people were going, look at this man, look what God's doing. And now he's a forgotten man. And so even in the midst of Jesus doing miraculous, incredible things, John finds himself doubting, questioning, wondering. He's like, Jesus, what's the deal? Are you really the guy? If you're really the guy and I'm the one that's been pointing to you, why am I here? Why am I abandoned? Why am I alone? Why am I in prison? What's going on? I mean, haven't you ever been in one of those places where you look all around you and go, wow, God, you're doing this there and you're doing this there and you're doing this there. But like, what's up? What's the deal in my life? Where are you right here right now? And we wrestle with our circumstances. We wrestle with our doubts. Like this is John the Baptist. This isn't some random bro. This is the guy whose purpose was to declare the works of Jesus, that he was coming. He's the one that looked and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He was like the first preacher pointing to Jesus. And now he's wrestling and he's questioning and he's wondering. And it's not for lack of hearing. His guys come to him and say, hey, look, here's all the stuff Jesus is doing. And he hears it and he looks around and surveys his surroundings and says, God, What's the deal? Where are you? So he sends his disciples and they track Jesus down and they repeat this phrase. John asked us to come to you and, and say, are you the one who's to come or shall we look for another one? Are you, not, are you not really the guy? And in Luke chapter seven, verse 21, Jesus first responds with action. 
Verse 21, it says, In that hour Jesus healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind he bestowed sight. And then he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and what you've heard. So tell him what you just witnessed and tell him what I'm about to say. Go tell him what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. Jesus says, hey, it's time for show and tell. It's time for show and tell. Go give John your eyewitness account of what you have seen. Go speak to the one who is stuck the one who's disenfranchised, the one who is discouraged, the one who is doubting. Go tell them what you've seen and experienced for yourself and go share my words with them. And then as Jesus is talking, you almost feel this, this buildup to like a climax. Like, do you, ever, do you ever pay attention in movies when that, that's sort of being done to you, right? Where there's a building and a building and a building and it reaches that moment where like the tension is just cranked up and we get to the, the end scene. And Jesus sort of does that as he's emphasizing these different miracles. Hey, here's what you've witnessed. You've watched healings. You've watched lepers cleansed. You've seen all these things. And he builds up to you've seen the dead raised. You'd think that would be the climax, right? Nothing's bigger than that. Nothing's more important than seeing the dead raised. But that's not the climax. What's the last thing that Jesus says? The poor have good news preached to them. Jesus realized something. There's actually something worse than being dead. It's being alive and being dead. It's being hopeless. It's being discouraged. It's being downtrodden. It's looking around and saying, I don't see any way these circumstances are ever changing. And that's exactly where John the Baptist finds himself. Beat down, downtrodden, discouraged, Stuck, And Jesus says, even in that condition, even in that place, I bring good news. I bring good news. I bring encouraging news. I bring news that when the poor and the downtrodden, the neglected, those that are despairing, those that feel hopelessly stuck, I have good news to share for them. That's the miracle that I'm working. Those in the biggest need, those with the biggest doubts, those with the most discouragement, I make them alive in their hearts again when they hear the good news of the gospel. And then Jesus closes with this statement for John. Luke chapter 7, verse 23. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Now that word offended, it's, it's actually even a stronger word than that. The word means scandalized. It also means like a stumbling block. Blessed is the one who isn't isn't devastated by me. I don't become a stumbling block for them. They don't get tripped up on who I am. They're not scandalized by me. They hang in there. They hold on. He, he's speaking a blessing. He's saying, you're blessed if you hang in there, if you trust, if you stick with the truth of who I am, if you hold on. He's saying, John, hold on. Hold on while you're in prison. Hold on while it feels hopeless. Hold on while you feel stuck. Believe, trust that I am the one. C.G. Moore, reflecting on this passage, writes this. He says, I know of no more, 
I know of no hours more trying to faith than those in which Jesus multiplies evidences of his power and does not use it. There is need of much grace when messengers come back saying, yes, he has all the power and he is all that you thought, but he said not a word about taking you out of prison. Jesus simply reminds him that there's a blessing if he'll hold on. Hold on to the grace of God, to keep to the truth, to trust. Hold on. Guys, in this world, we personally are going to be faced with doubts and discouragement and challenges. And we're going to see things that we look at and we go, God, I don't understand. Why aren't you fixing this? Why aren't you changing this? What's happening? And Jesus says, I am who I said I am. I have all the power. I have all authority. I am the Savior. I am the Messiah. I do work miracles. And yet my saints suffer and experience pain and have discouragement. In fact, the very people that the gospel is for are in poverty. They're outsiders. They're outcasts. They're lost. But I love them. And Jesus didn't speak about something that he was removed from. Jesus was going to be in his own prison cell. Jesus was going to be dragged before this very Herod and beaten and mocked by him. This Jesus was going to be crucified. He was going to walk this road of difficulty, of suffering, of discouragement. Jesus himself would even declare a moment of doubt. Do you remember on the cross? Yeah, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Absolutely, he said, it's finished. I've done the job. But he also cried out and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And on the cross, Jesus cried out the very same thing we find ourselves crying out. But hold on. Hold on. There's a blessing for those who hold on. We can bring him our doubts, man. John did. He didn't sit quietly in the cell and waste away. He said, Jesus, what's the deal? Where are you at? What's going on? And Jesus says, I am who I said I am. Hold on, John. I love you, buddy. And the passage doesn't stop there. As the messengers went away, Jesus turned to the onlookers and he said, let me tell you about this guy, John. Let me tell you about my faithful servant. And in Luke chapter 7, verse 24, he says that when John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in the king's courts. They know where John is right now. He's in the shadow of the king's courts in chains. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Jesus had confidence in John. He honored him, and he knew that John would hang in there. 
See, Jesus hung in there with John knowing that John would hang in there with him. He spoke life. He spoke encouragement. He didn't change his circumstances, but he reminded him of something greater still. There is a kingdom coming, John. You talked about it. There's a kingdom coming. Hold on and believe. It's an eternal kingdom. It's a kingdom that will be victorious. And it speaks life and hope and truth to the least of these. And Jesus finished this statement about how um, proud he was of John. And he said these words, I tell you among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And when all the people heard this and the tax collectors too, they declared God just having been baptized with the baptism of John. Jesus just included them. Hey, John has the seat of honor, but he's not above you. Jesus, even the playing field. Jesus said, hey, there's their kings in their courts. There's John the Baptist out in the wilderness declaring my glory. And there's every single one of you. And the very least of these in my kingdom, you're right there with the one I love. You're right there with John. He leveled the playing field. And those that were outcast and downtrodden and outsiders, they got it. And they were excited. They said, God, you're good. You're just because you've given us a way into your kingdom. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by John. Jesus truly did speak good news to the poor. He spoke good news to the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit for they'll see God. The least of these. So I mentioned that there was a garden in this rubble in Olivares and there's a home there. Well, there's a, there's a beautiful least of these saint of God named Christina. I want y'all to see her. You got her picture ready, Jacob? She's 72 years old. Her foot was so damaged when we first met her um, she had an open sore from where her foot had been injured riding a motorcycle. It had been dragged and it was open and, and horrible. And faithfully and continually, folks would go visit her, apply ointment, pray over her. And God has miraculously healed her foot. She's got a scar there and she's got a little residual, a little residual aching. But this woman gets up and walks around on that foot every day. And she serves in this garden. And as we're sitting there coming to love on her and see how we can help her, all she's doing is going, you guys are great. You're amazing. Thank you for coming. Thank you for this roof that you put on this part of my property. I'm so blessed by that. And we walk in and we see her bedroom and she's so proud of it. And her bedroom is no bigger than this rug right here. And she's proud of it. She's adorned the walls. Things that are glorifying Jesus hanging on the walls, celebrating her family that she loves, many of them not walking with Jesus yet. And she gets up every morning and she goes around and she works in this garden and she's so excited that we're there. She's like, hold on, wait a minute. I got to get you some avocados and runs over and picks the biggest, yummiest avocados you've ever had in your life. I mean, how big were those avocados, Rob? They were, they were like cantaloupe size. They were awesome. And I'm thinking like, Christina, I want to give something to you. And she's, she's blessing us. Here's this poor woman living in this village, 72 years old, putting me to shame with her energy and her passion for the Lord. 
sweet woman, the least of these, reflecting the love of our Savior. She's not lost and hopeless and discouraged. God's grace has found her, and she's holding on. And she's holding on hope for her kids and her grandkids. She's holding on hope for her community. And that garden of hers, it's a picture of the garden of her life. She's a mustard seed that was planted and grew into a great tree. And she's bringing shade to those who will come in. I want to be the least of these. I want to hold on. I don't want to get discouraged or downtrodden or distracted. I want to be real about when I struggle. I want to be real with my doubts. But I don't want to stay there. I want to hold fast to my Savior who loves me. And I want to be a light and encouragement to the poor and the disenfranchised who need to hear the goodness of God. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We honor you. We glorify you. You are good. You are faithful. Even when it doesn't feel like it, you are faithful. God, I'm not even totally sure how to pray. I just know we need you. I know that you're the king. And God, I know we get discouraged. And Lord, we know people who are discouraged. And God, I pray the reality of you and the life that is in you, the reality of your kingdom that brings hope and new life, that works physical miracles, God, that works salvation, spiritual miracles in the hearts and lives of men and women who need you. Jesus, we need your kingdom and your power right here, right now in this place. God, we pray it over our friends in the Dominican Republic and around the globe. God, there's a lot of people in this room that have hearts represented all over this globe in different continents. And God, we pray for your family there. We pray for our family members that are there, our loved ones, our friends that are there. God, send messengers, send witnesses that bring hope and life, that bring the truth of your gospel. God, would you speak to our hearts? God, where we are discouraged, where we are doubting, would you remind us of the truth? Would you speak new life? Would you remind us of the blessing for those who hold on and trust you? God, we need your grace for that. We love you. We worship you. We adore you. You're a good and faithful king. It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen.